Oh, hi. We're the Misery Machine. Oh, hey. I'm Drewby. I'm Yergi. And we are bringing you superstitious tales from our home state today. We are. However, since I have not been able to read the Apple Podcast reviews in a few weeks for a number of reasons, I really owe that to you guys. So I'm going to start with that and read a few of them. So this one is from Dumpster Jedi. Love the shorter format and quick but concise storytelling. Thank you very much. And this one is from Ali Nazari. These two are awesome and produce as an amazing podcast. True crime plus comedy equals awesome. Well, thank you so much for saying that. And this one is from the folks at Capable Podcast. This show is great. The hosts know what they're talking about. There's great variety that goes outside of your normal true crime genre shows. I found I am learning something new every time I listen to an episode. Keep up the great work, guys. This one is the winner. So shout out to the folks at Capable Podcast. Please check them out. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's a very great review, especially since I know that a lot of true crime podcasts put the same information as every other podcast that did an episode in this case serial killers so i always try to dig deep and ask myself questions that haven't been asked or answered in other places and try to think of that that's why i really like that second ed kemper episode a lot because that's exactly what i was trying to do so thank you for that and this last one so this is from the spook cat podcast real talk real entertainment i love listening each week yergi and druby do a one wonderful job of keeping on point with their topics and being informative in their episodes while also peppering in real talk which I am all about thank you one of my favorite listens was the body positivity is toxic episode it was such a down-to-earth conversation that I resonated with and on a topic that affects a great many people Ah, uh, that's my favorite. Well, that's one of the that's favorite, my favorite ever- episodes. Yeah, it's like the favorite episode I ever did. I know it was totally not a traditional one, and one of five podcasts we did. That wasn't true crime. Yeah, that wasn't true crime, but that is definitely my favorite. And it's definitely one I want to do again. We have so many things lined up we need to get done. So that's probably going to be a while because we did that one. It was during the summertime we did that. It was like July or August, I think. It was one of our, it was like our fifth episode. I would love to revisit almost a year later and see where we're at with that. It wasn't really our fifth. Uh, Episode five, we were still just riffing on random shit. Oh, right. Okay. It was like eight or nine. Yeah, it was pretty early. Yeah, but it was still summertime. I definitely want to do that one again. Let me continue. This podcast is always a great listen, and I'm always looking forward to the next episode. Love, Laura, from the Spook Cat podcast. I hope I said it that right. It's not spook it or, or spook. But thank you so much. Please listen to the Spook Cat podcast. They're very good, and I love reviews like these. So yes. I will continue more next week. Um little housekeeping notes if you'd like to support us on patreon you can make a small donation and get postcards from us so please go to our patreon so the link is in the description and you can get postcards and snaps and all of our secret episodes we just put a new one in there and you can only hear it there a lot of these we're probably never going to post up on youtube or anywhere else that's the place to go as my phone goes off i'm so sorry how rude drew how rude i 
bet it's not even going to cut through the mix, but we'll find out. And if you're listening on YouTube, please like and subscribe. It really helps and it goes a long way. We've gotten quite a few new subscribers lately. I finally was able to make a custom URL. I still can't add channel art. It will not let me. It keeps saying I need to add the art from my Google account. So I click it and it just says this service is not available at this time or something like that. If anyone knows what that is, hit me up. Because it's being ridiculous. We don't want some gray screen there. Yeah, seriously, hit me up. Like we have art. (laughs) I'll be humble about stuff. I mean, I don't know everything about this sort of thing. Just somebody tell me what to do. So yes, please do that. And please please hit that like and subscribe button. Or as, as, as the YouTubers say, smash that like button for the YouTube algorithm. And if you're listening on iTunes, you can leave us a five star review and a written review. And we will shout you out. Which I will do more regularly. You will get shouted out at the beginning. And what is better than that? So with that out of the way, do you have any housekeeping notes, Yergi? Yeah, join the Facebook group. Oh yeah, join the Facebook group. Keep forgetting about our little Facebook group. We will let you know ahead of time what the episodes are. And you get to talk to us. Yes. And you can suggest episodes, which we have a lot of episodes that are on the docket. But we will still take suggestions and we'll probably listen to you. Especially on a week where we could maybe do two. Especially if one's quick is that, uh, that everything yeah with that out of the way let's get to our main urban okay, legends okay yes so these are main <laughs> urban legends so this first one i think i might have heard about it but i feel like i should have known this i should have known this too growing up right next to sabatis yeah, and everything i literally grew up town over i should have known something like this the sabatis well <laughs> apparently that's a thing <laughs> It, one of the creepier stories come out of Maine. Is is this some place where you can see or is it? So I have no idea. I have searched all over the internet trying to figure out which cemetery in Sabatis this Sabatis well is in. There's only like three. It won't say which. So we're going to have to go on a little road trip sometime soon when there's less snow. Okay. And look for this goddamn well at all the Sabatis cemeteries. Well, there's one cemetery I know of that's pretty big that when you drive by at night, there's a flashing light in there. Really? It's the one that goes by the ball field you know what i'm talking about oh yes 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 yeah you check it out tomorrow if you wanted we can do that yeah we can take some pictures no it really isn't so i've never been in that one and there there's not much snow right now i'd like to think you could walk through there maybe but we'll see let's go check it out we'll we'll make a little list of all the cemeteries in sabatis and see if we can find this well that sounds good so this is one of the creepier stories coming out of maine it involves something that is said to have happened not too long ago this is possibly in the 1990s so this wasn't confirmed anyone died? I, I don't know. You'd think that we'd know about this in the 90s. But yeah. I anyway. Mean, internet. Uh, the, <clears throat> the story goes, a group of young teen boys, they might have been preteens, dared a friend of theirs to allow himself to be lowered into an old well behind a cemetery in the town of Sabatis. The boy agreed to the dare, and the other boys lowered their friend into a well on a tire attached to the rope and kept letting him go farther down until they couldn't see him anymore in the rope stop moving okay already the thing that kind of screams bullshit to me is a tire they're just walking around with a big ass car tire when they're like that young i just don't see it how are you gonna carry a car tire while you're riding your goddamn bike i mean <laughs> unless they lived on a side street near the i don't know let's let's just pretend it's that one over by the ball fields yeah 
There's houses around there. I guess if you're all living in the area, chances are kids are riding bikes. And I've tried to transport some things on bikes. It's not easy. No. One of those, you ever fire a potato cannon before? I've seen it done. I have never done it myself. Yeah, I've done it a few times. And riding with one of those on a bike is not fun. Plus, people think you have like a fucking weapon or something, which you kind of do. So, the rope stopped moving and they thought maybe he'd fallen off the tire. So, the boys pulled it back up and their friend was still on it. But not the same friend who went down to the well. His hair had turned white. He appeared much older than when he went down, and he could only speak incomprehensible sentences. Legend has it that he is still babbling nonsense at the county mental institution today where he has lived ever since that well incident. The this, county mental institution? The county? Do we have an Andrew Scoggin county where did mental you institution? find this? So I was checking out online all sorts of main urban legends. Were you on an Angel Fire it page? It was not an Angel Fire page. This Sabatis well shit popped up on every single one of the ones that I searched. I am not kidding. We don't even really have like a full-on institution in Androscoggin County. Well, no, no, we don't. There's like the old Amhi up in Augusta. That's it. If if that's even counted as Androscoggin, I don't think it is. No, it's Kennebec. Yeah. I think this one is bullshit, especially with the fact that it was in the 1990s. Hey, we're millennials. There's no such thing as urban legends anymore. I'm not a millennial, but okay. You're a millennial. I am an elder millennial. Yeah, it's still a millennial. So the next one here, I'll read this one because I've actually been there and seen all this. Gen Y adjacent. Gen Y adjacent. I'm not, no, no. Okay, so it's Colonel Buck's tomb. So the founder of Bucksport, Colonel Jonathan Buck, fell in love with a woman and she became pregnant with his son. Upon learning this, he forced her to leave and she spent the next few years raising her son alone. What an asshole. Damn, I'm so in love with this woman that I'm going to knock her up and send her away. Right. Eventually, the woman came back to Colonel Buck requesting assistance in caring for his son, which he refused. To ensure she would not bother him again, he pronounced her a witch and had her burned. During the fire, her leg was fetched by her son who ran away to bury it on his own as a memorial to his mother. After Colonel Buck's death, his own tomb showed signs of a stain in the form of a leg. Despite attempts to remove it, including changing the stone for a new one, the leg image remained and is still there today. This is true. So you saw that. This is true. There is a leg stain image there. Yes. I will have to go and find some pictures of it for you. We can talk about this a little bit more. We could maybe get into the next one. I could pull some images up to show you exactly what that looks like. Okay. But it looks like moss or a stain, and it looks like a leg from the knee down with a pointy foot. But the legend has it that they've cleaned this with acid. They have tried to put a new stone, and this has been going on for year after year after year, and it's still there. That's kind of And this crazy. is like a big stone in the middle of downtown Bucksport. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Every time I think of Bucksport, I think of where the cave is, which is in the middle of nowhere. Right. But... It's not near the cave. So like downtown Bucksport, if you're going to drive through Brewery to get there, there's the fort up there, Fort Knox, and the big- Fort viewing... Knox. Yeah, it's called Fort Knox. And there's a big, big bridge that has the observatory at the top of it. I went up there a couple summers ago, but across the river is the gravestone. So I found the pictures on my phone just now and- Gave my phone to Drewby, so what do you think? At first glance, I thought it was some weirdo lightning bolt, but yeah, that's a uh, lower calf with a foot. The foot looks kind of pointy. 
Looks like a sock. So they've even switched the tomb. And the stain keeps coming back. That's crazy. I I didn't know we had any witch burnings. The next time I'm in the Bangor area or we go to the Bangor area or whatever, go see a show up there or something, we will have to make a pit stop here. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's pretty cool. It's behind a fence like this. So you have to get your camera in there. Okay, so the Roby Andrews dorm is Mm -hmm. something that I stayed plenty of night in there. And it was a dry dorm, but that didn't stop anybody. Not a one. Are you sure that's a dry dorm? It is a dry dorm. What was the one dorm that wasn't? I forget. I I stayed in the one not dry dorm. How long ago? Oh, God. I was like 18. Uh, Well... There's Dickie Wood, the towers. I don't think that's a dry dorm, but it might be. You probably weren't around for New Hall. And then there's Upton Hastings is not a dry dorm. Maybe that's where I was visiting some friends who were staying at. We're talking about the University of Southern Maine at the Gorm campus. Yes. It is a really old building. I played Outlast in Roby Andrews. I never knew there was some sort of like haunting thing here. Supposedly it's haunted. No one ever told me this. Built in the 1800s, the Roby Andrews dorm is the oldest building in the Gorham campus. Within that time, there have been numerous stories of suicide and murder, many of which include spirits that have stuck around for future generations of students. In one story, a girl hung herself in the tower after learning she was pregnant. In another, a young woman falls to her death in front of a throng of people. Was she pushed or did she jump herself? It's unclear, but one thing is for sure, she hasn't quite found peace as she can still be seen and heard around the dorm. Dorm residents have reported hearing noises and feeling cold areas. Some people have reportedly seen a woman in the tower. Sounds fairly normal until you learn that the tower had been closed off and inaccessible for many, many years. Right, I didn't know that about the tower. I didn't know that about any of this. No one ever told me this. I've stayed there a million times and gone to a million parties. I don't know, you just think in a haunted place more people would be dying. I mean, you would think a place that's haunted, just things would happen that would just take you. I've only been haunted by booze there. Playing Outlast was super fucking fun there. It was scary as shit. No, I didn't play Outlast there. I played Amnesia, The Dark Descent. Yeah, it was scary as fuck. I miss USM. Miss USM, but those were those those days are behind me. So next one here is the Wood Island Lighthouse. The lighthouse on Wood Island has a few scary theories related to its haunting. In one, the lighthouse is haunted by ghosts of fisherman Howard Hobbs, who shot and killed his landlord, Fred Milliken, in 1896. The story goes that Hobbs and his roommate, William Moses, had been drinking heavily when Milliken was asked to speak to them about their overdue rents. Hobbs went to shoot Milliken in the chest before he turned the gun on himself inside the Wood Island lighthouse. Following the suicide, reports of moaning and unexplained shadows began to be told by the keepers living in the lighthouse. In 1972, the light was removed, negating the need for any keepers to live within the haunted light. If you take a visit now, you'll see that an automated light now exists and perhaps you'll hear Hobbs moaning on his own without a keeper to keep him company. So that seems like a weird story. Why would you just do a murder-suicide over overdue rent? And and what happened to William Moses? Yeah, what's up? Where's William? Yeah, this is... This doesn't make any sense to me. Sounds like bullshit. Yeah. Okay, the Seguin Island Lighthouse Hauntings. In the mid-1800s, the lighthouse was inhabited by a caretaker and his wife. To combat the lonely isolation of the island, the caretaker had a piano ship to keep his wife occupied. He probably should have found out her level of expertise before providing this gift, though. Unfortunately, she only knew one song and played it incessantly. (laughs) Eventually, the caretaker could take no more, went a bit insane, and destroyed the piano with an axe. Next, he killed his wife and finally himself. With the axe? 
I mean, damn, is, is that like some where the red fern grows shit? Yeah, kind of. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I know it's about those doggies. Yeah, but you know how like the the final antagonist dies. I don't remember. End? I just remember the dog gets like rabies, dies, and then the other one gets sad and dies, and the red fern grows between their graves. The bully boy that always kept harassing the main character, he tried to take an axe to the boy, he tripped and fell like onto the axe blade. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I was just thinking, how do you kill yourself with an axe? I don't know, you fall on it? I don't know. Today, local folks claim to hear the lone song coming from the lighthouse. Yeah, but I wonder what that song was. I don't know. I don't know. What a weird thing. (laughs) So the next one is Pomola. This is a bit of folklore from the Penobscot Native American nation. Pomola is supposed to be a half man, half eagle, but with a head of a moose. The creature lives in a cave on top of the tallest mountain in the state, which is Mount Katahdin. Because Pomola does not like people coming to visit it, he lets them know his displeasure by creating crazy weather on top of the mountain, like unpredictable storms of wind, rain, and snow. These storms are frequently seen to concentrate at the peak of Pomola's mountain. This is just weird. I didn't know what Pomola was. There was a band in Portland. They were like this noise rock band called Pomola. They were pretty cool. And I never knew where that came from. But you said there's a beer called Pomola too. Yeah, so Baxter Brewing here in Lewiston, Maine. Well, we're in Auburn, Maine, but it's just the next town across the it's river. It's basically Lewiston. We're all just one big a- thing. Auburn is Lewiston. Let- let's be real here. Yeah, so they have their own beer called Pomola and a lot of people when they go and climb Mount Katahdin and go up to the Pomola Peak will go and take selfies drinking that up there. No, not finding no Pomola up there. <laughs> I mean, I want to talk to Brandon about living in New Mexico because there's apparently mountains that nobody goes to and the local Native Americans believe that they're still like they believe they're skinwalkers about and you just don't go there or you die or some shit. I don't know. I should I should have him on and have him talk about that. He should. He like, should definitely talk about skinwalkers with us. Because he knows a lot about that stuff because well he lived in a reservation. And through the magic of podcasting we were able to pause this wait till the next day and we went to go find the sabbatus well let me tell you as far as i know that shit doesn't exist we only went to one cemetery there's only one real cemetery in sabbatus there might be one more but that was the most that's it's the one right in the center of town so i don't know do you know any others off the top of your head? Because I sure as hell don't. No, I'll have to like go through a map and try to plot them out. But we went all through this cemetery with my car and there was no well in the back of it. There was a bunch of random bouquets just scattered around, not even near any graves. Yeah, people stop bringing those bouquets to your relatives. They're ugly. Just Yeah, seriously. Plant some real flowers or just don't. Just like go hang out. Those fake bouquets are ugly and wasteful yeah so my great great grandmother was buried in farmington one of my aunts went there and planted a spider plant next to her grave because she loved spider plants when she was alive because of this it was hard for me to find her grave when i finally went looking for it because it's now obscured by this giant spider plant but i think that's much more meaningful than leaving some flowers you got at hannaford which are overpriced, by the way. Fuck that shit. In Europe and stuff like that, um, grave marker I showed you of my uncle. Yeah. They plant full-on little gardens in front of them. See, that seems wonderful. Yeah. It seems wonderful. I would I would be all for that. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think that's everywhere. Like, I know we talked about this in an episode much way previously about 
different burial practices, different places. And I couldn't find any examples of these wood gravestones until I found the one of my uncles. So it must be just a regional thing. If I get absolutely aced in a car accident or somebody just wants to come up and punch my ticket for whatever reason, plant me a garden. That's pretty cool. That sounds cool. Plant me plant me a garden. I'll make you a garden, Derby. Oh, I thank you. And if you die, I'll do something not so gardeny because I suck at it. No, I'll learn. You'll learn. Thank you. I'll, I'll, le- I'll plant something for you. You can make some herbs. So bits and pieces of me go into the herbs and you can eat them and have a yergi within you. Oh, my God. This is some family guy shit. This, <laughs> this cake has my hair in it. Right. Now I'm inside of you, Brian. Do you feel me, Brian? Do you feel me inside of you? Fucking, I thought what Richard Kruspa from Romstein, his idea is that when he dies, he has money set aside for a gravestone that if somebody walks near it, it will play a piece of music that he composed. That's pretty cool. Which I think is pretty cool. It's probably expensive as hell and probably really easy to break the mechanism. But in theory, it sounds really wonderful. I don't know. I like weird, weirdo graves. Me too. Which we have, I wouldn't say a ton, but we have some very interesting graves in Maine and in Providence. In Providence, they have good ones. Yeah, New, New England. New England in general. New England. But we talked about this in the whole Marie Laveau shit, which nobody watched. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. The her of North Pond. So this was pretty recently and is a true story. Is it really? Yes. Oh, I, okay, yeah. Because it's know right this. by my mother's house. Yeah, so they... <laughs> They thought it was like animals stealing food for a long period of time, but really it was this guy, and I think he was sighted a couple times, and people people thought it was like Sasquatch or some yeah. shit. Yeah, so <laughs> in the town of Rome, Maine, people keep lake houses they live in during the summer because, you know, boomers. For years, these summer dwellers would notice things missing from their homes when they went there. Usually the missing items were food or clothing, or sometimes batteries or similar survival items. The residents began talking of a hermit possibly living in the woods nearby, but it was just a rumor, though until 2013 when a resident saw the hermit who left the scene in a canoe. The local police investigated and discovered a man named Christopher Knight who had been living in the nearby woods for nearly three decades. Knight never said why he became a hermit and the reason is still a mystery. So he was arrested, right? Yeah, he did get in trouble. So it was for all the thefts and technically I think they cited him for littering too. Yeah. Because his encampment was kind of gross. Yeah, because I and I can't believe nobody had found it prior, but nobody did. It wasn't that hit. I don't think. No, and I'm surprised he made it that long because it gets really cold there. Yeah. You're in the middle. That whole region of Maine is a bunch of ponds and lakes because my my mom lives in what would be known as the greater Belgrade Lakes area. She lives in Mount Vernon. So does my sister. But it gets pretty chilly. So having done a little more research, it looks like he had a camp that was obscured within a cluster of glacial boulders. So that's why he wasn't found. And he spent, again, almost 30 years there only seeing one person at the time where he just said hi. And then he was discovered by a group of fishermen, but they they agreed to not tell anyone because he just wanted to be left alone. He apparently entered the woods at age 20 and said goodbye to nobody. And his parents never reported him missing. And yeah. It's kind of sad. It is pretty sad. I mean, he doesn't like to talk about his motives for doing this, but he just said that solitude bestows an increase in something valuable in my perception. But when I applied my increased perception to myself, I lost my identity. There was no audience, no one to perform for. To put it romantically, I was completely free. And yeah, he did seven months in jail with all but one week served because he was awaiting sentencing. 
and he had like three years probation had to pay two grand in restitution i don't even know where he would have gotten the money for that as he was a hermit and yeah and he now has a job with his brother and doesn't plan to go live in the woods again but like what a weird thing like 30 years later yeah so probably what they had him do is when he secured that job that was probably part of his probation they probably just had him pay a little at a time yeah because they didn't say that he was an alcoholic but he had to go to substance abuse counseling like it's a co-occurring disorders court program and it says it's also designed for people with mental health disorders so i wondered if they used it for him as a way to reacclimate because there's obviously some level of culture shock there imagine what's changed within 30 years a lot a, a ton so so yeah, I I just it's such a crazy thing to think of, but yeah, he he did really well. He survived temperatures as low as negative twenty five. I uh, imagine the shelter he would have built around those rocks might have helped. Like look, thinking about it now, he said what he would do is waking up during the coldest part of the night and pacing his camp until he was warm. He regularly took cold sponge bath, shaved, and cut his hair, and avoided building smoky fires, but relied upon a propane camp stove to cook and melt snow for drinking and bathing just crazy to me like so he mostly probably stole a bunch of propane yeah that's what i would say that he did probably stole food it doesn't say that he hunted yeah he's like 54 now it's just so nuts to me that somebody uh, was able to do that especially it didn't seem like before entering the woods that he was at all an experienced woodsman so i don't know if this was a dude that maybe he was a scout or something or maybe he didn't know much at all and just kind of made it work there's so many people that thought it was easy tried to make it work and died like the dude from into the wild you know what i'm talking about no. oh so that was a guy who he was this really free-spirited hippie kid and he said he was gonna live in the woods in alaska and he just basically starved to death or froze to death one of the two and yeah a, a lot of people like to discuss that case because they think of was this kid trying to commit suicide in some way shape or form he is often discussed but yeah so a very interesting case but yeah i didn't know paul bunyan is a legend native to Maine. I believe so. Basically, it is a legend native to Maine. The story goes that the famous lumberjack was born here. He is supposedly responsible for many of the features of the natural landscape of Maine. As an example, his boot prints are said to have been so big that they became the lakes of Maine. And the fields and meadows of the state are supposedly created as Paul rolled around in his sleep, clearing the land of the trees that were near him. Probably didn't work that well because we have so many trees, yeah. and so many areas. We just had a giant with a big blue ox. Oxen are not native to Maine. No. Much less blue ones. I thought that was a, a legend from out west, like Montana. That's where I thought no. Paul Bunyan was from. No, or but Idaho. That the big statue, if any of you have seen the second version of it, or the second installment of the the new It, the big Paul Bunyan statue that Pennywise takes over is actually in Bangor. Is it really? Yes, it is. It's right in front of the Hollywood Casino. Is it really? Yeah, I well, didn't even notice that. I mean, I've been to the Hollywood Casino, but... It's across the street from the casino. Is it? And in, in back of it is like the Cross Insurance Center. So it's in that little area right there. I'll have to look for it. 
I did not know that. There was some sort of punk band that sang a song about how poor Paul Bunyan used to stare at the river and now he has to get a little bigger because the friggin' casino's in his way and he can't see it. What punk band is I this? don't remember. It was a band that played at that big festival I went to up there where the Dropkick Murphys were playing. Okay. So well, it was a local band. Oh, it was a local band. Okay, yeah. that's why. They had like a huge second stage of just all local bands. Okay. The Monster of Poco Moonshine Lake. This is a lake in Washington County where no one lives. And has held stories of lake monsters for as long as any manor in the area can remember. Some have even reported seeing the snake-like beings along with the trails they leave behind when they come to and leave the lake. While there are no photos of the creature, locals estimate them to be anywhere from 30 to 60 feet long and could date back as far as 1873. This just sounds like a Loch Ness Monster ripoff. So I've never heard of this one, but I have one further down that we can touch on that's related. That's a little bit more recent if you want to scroll down. Right here, the legend of Wessie. Do you remember Wessie? No. He had his own Twitter page and everything. So it was back in June of... I believe it was 2018, a Westbrook woman claimed she saw a snake as large as a truck eat a small mammal near the banks of the Presumpscot River. Pre-cum shot river. (laughs) In August, a man walking along the river found a molted skin of a 12-foot-long snake belonging to an anaconda. Oh, yeah, I do remember that now. It caused a huge, ridiculous fucking panic. I think that's the same area where last winter they had the, the discs yeah they had the floating ice disc the revolving ice disc or the island of ice and yeah. somebody went out there and stuck a flag in it and it broke yeah so no one really knows if wessie exists but she made national news but someone made a twitter page for wessie i got retweeted it was really interesting wessie retweeted me and was really excited that he or she had the coolest follower ever oh my god and wrote something like when do i meet your parents damn wessie wanna fuck yeah wessie wanna fuck <laughs> So the Ghost Bride of Haynesville Woods. Okay, so this is one I know about. And it's not just native to here. There's other states that have a similar. And there's different areas of Maine that have a similar type legends. Yeah. So on a wooded road in the outskirts of Haynesville, which do you know where that is? I have no idea. I'm sure it's like either down east or up north. There's a stretch between Wilton and Jay that people say there's a Ghost Bride there too. I don't know, but on the wooded roads on the outskirts of Haynesville, a newlywed couple traveled on a dark winter night. The story tells us that the groom was drunk and lost control of the car, hitting a telephone pole, which killed him. After the young bride crawled from the wreckage and made her way back to the snowy road, she waited for hours for someone to drive by to help her. However, the conditions of the night meant that nobody was traveling and the woman never received help. Because in Maine, sometimes... Some major roads don't even have a single car drive through them overnight. They have no lights. Yeah, and no lights whatsoever. Don't be driving to Callis at night from Bangor. I mean, that that's probably a little more well-traveled, but still, when I went through there, the, the few times I've gone through there, there's like no cars whatsoever. It is reported that she has remained in the same place in her wedding gown where she eventually froze to death. Travelers on the road have reported seeing the woman in the white gown outside the Haynesville woods. She can still be wandering along the side of the road searching for help that never came. Some even claim to have spoken to the woman. In these situations, she tells the driver of her situation, but as the vehicle approaches closer, the woman sub- suddenly disappears. Yeah, I've, there's there's a million stories There's like, like versions this. of it where it's a bunch of kids coming back from prom. Yeah. 
and it's in different places in Maine. But yeah, it's a very similar story about a woman in the road yeah. is what it boils down to. Yep. So the Fort Williams Henry haunting. This fort at Pemiquit Beach is in Bristol. There's and a Bristol, Maine? Is there? I didn't think there was. Apparently there I, is. I, I know of Pemaquid Beach, but I didn't know there was a Bristol, Maine. I didn't know there was a Bristol, Maine either. There's a lot of places I don't know about. It's said to be haunted by the spirit of Native American chief Talk Alexis. He was killed by hanging near the fort in 1696 and is said to live in the same tree where he was hung. You may be able to see him in the form of a white orb near the entrance of the front of the fort. I don't even know where this fort is. Yeah, I don't either i know pemaquid beach i've heard that like i know where lake pemaquid is maybe that's I, I i don't know some of these places are clearly in the middle of nowhere because in places where not a lot of people live and there's no internet i was actually talking to somebody the other day who grew up in the down east air mid coast area excuse me like wiscasset like and... i believe this is mid coast is it yeah yeah so i, I talked to somebody who my age Wiscat grew up like around the like the Wiscasset area, but more outskirts. Said that that area didn't get DSL until like 2005, maybe 2006, which is nuts to me because I was the last kid to get DSL, and that was in like 2003, 2004. But all my friends have had DSL since like the year 2000. That was just like nutty to me. But yeah, all these places seem to be in the middle of fucking nowhere. I'm looking this up right now, so just give me a second. So I was right. Bristol is down east. It's like right past Booth Bay. You know how the little harbors look like little fingers coming off of yeah, Maine? Yeah, I do. It's like right after Booth Bay. Oh, okay. Okay, then we have the Maiden's Cliff Haunting in Camden, which I've never been to. I have. So in this tale, a young woman falls to her death off the rocks of Maiden Cliff. During a blustery day, her hat blew off her head and sailed through the air. In an attempt to retrieve it, the young girl was killed. She either died at the site or was carried home where she later passed away. Her spirit still haunts the area, which is marked by a white cross. This is it right here. I'll show you. I don't see the white cross. Oh, that's huge. This looks recent, though. No, that's it's a recent picture. No, I mean the the cross looks like it was put there recently. It doesn't look very archaic. Yeah, but it's it's a really pretty area. I used to camp down in that area. I went to this 4-H. Really? Yeah, I went to this like hippie camp called Camp Tanglewood. It was a 4-H camp. And What's a 4-H camp? It's basically ecology and wildlife and 4-H really has to do with farm stuff as well. Okay. Horse but this girls. Yeah, but this didn't have horses. It was like literally just a summer camp in the woods. And you had a whole bunch of hippie counselors. And it was actually really expensive to go. I had no idea about this at the time. The first time I got to go, Nicole and I went on a scholarship. And then in years previous, my mom's rich boss at the time would send us. Oh, geez. But I looked into how expensive it was these days. To go for a week, it's over a grand. What the fuck? And I never understood any of why a lot of the campers there were from out of state. There was one year I had a whole bunch of girls in the cabin with me that all met at summer camp one year and then every year their parents sent them the same week. I'm like, why are these kids from all over the country coming here? There was ones from Michigan, 
There were ones from Miami. There were ones from Georgia. One girl was from Cambridge. Why are they all going to this camp? It's fucking rich kids. Hippie camp is where Jesus, it was going. I guess so. But we had different electives we got, got to do during the day. And I'd always go on the hiking ones because we got to like leave the camp to go. So when we did Maiden's Cliff, we all got stung by yellow jackets because oh, no. the trail up was like infested with ground wasp nests and everyone got stung. I didn't get stung, but everyone else did. When I was younger, I really wanted to get be sent to a summer camp because it just looked so much fun and my summers were very boring because I couldn't go out and do anything or go anywhere. And that's something I really wanted to do. But as I got older, I obviously wouldn't want to do that. And in retrospect, I might have hated it. Well, maybe not when I was younger, but... So the thing that really annoyed me about this camp was it was so expensive to go, but they never let us shower. What? So there were a big set of bathrooms that had showers, and we were only allowed to take one shower a week the entire time we were there, which I guess wow. was fine because we could go swimming in the swimming hole every day. It was The camp was on the Duck Trap River, which goes to the ocean, and it was kind of a cleaner part of the river, so we got to swim in it. But we got pretty nasty, so that was really kind wow. of annoying. And then they never fed us. They never seemed to have what? enough food. How did you eat? So basically they would, it was cereal generally for breakfast, always with skim milk. And then it was usually tofu pups or veggie burgers or regular burgers for lunch. And then at dinner they would make different things, but they never would make enough. So they would make a little round thing of raviolis, baked raviolis. It looked like they made it in a pie plate. And that was supposed to fit a whole table of kids. And there would be like 10 people at a table. So by the time it would get around, there was wasn't any left and they'd have to like go make more spaghetti and you were only allowed to drink a milk and like skim milk and water the whole time you were there so they just basically made you calorie deficient i don't know it sounds like starvation rations yeah like that we didn't have snacks if we pack snacks they would take them away from us and lock them up oh my god this is barbaric sounding yeah we didn't really eat very well the whole time we were there that's insane and for like little kids running around we definitely needed some calories yeah and for parents to pay that much for that kind of treatment Jesus Christ yeah and it I mean it just it wasn't like we were being we always were like doing activities whether it was like some soccer game or ultimate frisbee up at the little sports field they had yeah. or going hiking because I always went on, on all the hiking and all the swimming ones that we could go on yeah I would have too there was one time we oh god I did this group challenge thing and it was really fun until the group challenge where we walked down the entirety of the duck trap river till we hit the ocean oh my god that must have been a while it took all day and then we ended up walking back we took the road back and it, it got so crazy that there was another group coming back from a hike that saw us and they went and just dropped everyone off and then came and picked us up in the van because it was getting ridiculous and we had just packed some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and it was my job to carry it in my backpack and I ended up I kept falling in the river like on the rocks and stuff because oh, it was God. more of a rocky type of like river and our sandwiches were demolished it was terrible it's the thing when you're a kid you could walk from one end of the country to the other and not have your joints hurt but you get older and then obviously that changes right so I don't know that this is always crazy to me like, because I remember making very long there was times in my life where I went to a friend's house or I was sleeping over at a cousin's house where we were allowed to go places and do things and I just felt like I could just walk forever and yeah I'd get tired and yeah maybe my feet might hurt a little but it wasn't like oh my knee hurts my hip hurts 
or anything like that. My feet definitely hurt from this because this was the time in the 90s when Tevas were really popular. What what are Tevas? Tevas, they are a pair of sandals that are like very strappy. They had like Velcro straps and they were all different colors. They sold them at L.L. Beans and some people wore Tevas with crazy socks. No arch support. There was Some of them had better arch support than others. Like if they were the real name brand ones, you could do whatever. But after walking in wet Tevas everywhere and then having to walk all the way back and it was... It was a long way back. My feet were all blistered and cut up. It was terrible. Like at that point, I should have just started walking barefoot because it was awful. Yeah, I can't. I've had baby feet ever since a young kid and I could never walk outside barefoot. Oh, it always hurt so fucking bad. Yeah, I, I don't know. I need my shoes. I need my arch support. I just need those things. I found I was flat footed when I was like 19 or something. A chiropractor just happened to check. She's like, nobody's ever told you you're flat footed. And I'm like, no. She's like, well, you're flat footed. I'm like, oh, but then. I, I got like arch support and all that. I had inserts. And then six years later, another doctor told, tells me, you're not flat-footed. you never seen anyone with, okay, these are Tevas. Those just look like regular sandals. No, they became popular in the 90s and people wore multicolored polar fleece socks with them. I don't know, man. Sandals or look like socks. sandals to me, except for Birkenstocks or whatever they're called. All right, Bigfoot. I don't want to do this one to death because it's just so trite, but Bigfoot sightings have happened allegedly in Maine. In September 2015, a 12-year-old boy in Turner claimed he saw Bigfoot in the woods, but that's not the first time people in Maine have claimed seeing Bigfoot. Early stories of this Bigfoot date back to Native American tales told by the Penobscot and Passamaquoddy tribes, and we've also had sightings of the New Jersey Devil up here and just stuff like that, so it's just I don't, I don't, I'm just going to skim over that, but yeah. So Bigfoots do happen here, even if they're the main hermit. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. True. Right. So Andre the seal, he was real. Was he real? He was real. So Andre was born in Rockland in 1961, but was promptly abandoned by his mom. Luckily for him, Rockport Harbor master Harry Goodridge found him and took the two day old pup in. Andre grew splashing up in Rockport Harbor where Harry taught him tricks. The harbor seal took to it and performed for summer crowds. Harry built him a large cage in the harbor where he'd spend his summer nights. In his early days, Andre was allowed to roam free in the harbor in the winter, but after he capsized a few boats and bothered enough fishermen, Harry had to bring him to Boston and Connecticut aquariums for the winter. Each spring, Andre was released into the ocean and and he made his swim back up to Rockport. This befuddled scientists and captivated locals who would track Andre. Every year, his journey caused a small media frenzy. He became one of the most famous Mainers. The town of Rockport erected a statue in his honor, which he helped unveil and and named Andre the honorary harbor master. So when Andre was 25, he had cataracts and Harry had to drive him from Massachusetts up to Rockport. That summer in 1986, Andre got in a fight mid-mating season with another male seal in Rockland. After that, when a crowd spotted the performer, he refused to put on a show. Newspapers at the time insinuated he was too ashamed and he died shortly Aww. after. I don't know what the average lifespan is for a seal, so I don't know if 25 is old or not. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm not sure. I mean, I could look it up for you. I imagine that's pretty, probably pretty old. So but... what I'm confused about is when they said he capsized a few boats. A probably. seal, a seal capsizing boats. They're probably just like little dinghies and stuff. Oh, okay, just splashing around. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, it's or just, trying to get on them. I mean, it's just a seal. You know, there's there's seals in Maine. It's not a giant deal. You go to a Popham and you'll see little seals in the water. Yes, you can. They're very cute. I remember I saw them the first time. I was like, there's seals in Maine. Oh my god! And they just float in the water and stare at you. 
and they're really cute. Yeah, I didn't know about that. Too bad Rockport is a million miles away. Yeah, so females outlive males uh, 30 to 35 years versus 20 to 25 years. I mean, Rockport's not that far. Let's just say we, we head up to Bangor to see all the crazy stuff in Bangor. We could take Route 1 and see all this. Yeah, but... From Bangor, it's like, what, another hour? So if you take Route 1, do the whole coastal route up, you yeah. can hit Rockport. You will hit Bucksport so we can see the foot. And then it's maybe 20 minutes into Bangor and just take the interstate home. Okay. Yeah, Doable, I've done it a few ways like that way. Here's a place I, I need to see at one point in my life, but yes. it's just it's just tough to get to. It's, it's two hours off the coast yeah, on a ferry. Vinyl Haven. The circus ship that sank off Vinyl Haven. It was October in 1836 when Royal Tar, a big steamboat, was chugging down to Portland from New Brunswick. The Royal Tar was bringing 93 people, including crew, along with a traveling circus with an elephant, two camels, and lots of exotic birds. The one-year-old boat was also carrying a traveling wax show. Quote, save for the greater portion of human beings must have appeared like a modern Noah's Ark, one newspaper reported. The weather was terrible that October and the boat was having a hard time getting down the main coast with all the wind. The captain kept trying to push it forward but was forced to stop in Eastport, then Cutler, then tried again to leave, but returned to Machias Bay. When they finally got the tar steaming toward Portland on October 25th, the lead engineer noticed the boiler's water was way too low, so the boat again had to put its anchor down, this time by North Haven and Vinyl Haven. About 30 minutes later, somebody saw the boiler room was on fire. The crew tried to hose down the flames to no avail, and the ship was a burning mess in no time. The St. John Daily Sun wrote, The steamer was ablaze in the middle while the crew and passengers were madly rushing to and fro at the bow and stern. The shouts of excited men, the shrieks of helpless women, and the wails of little children were mingled with the rows of terror from the imprisoned wild beast. So good thing the Royal Tar had lifeboats. Well, two. That could hold maybe 30 people of the 93 that were on there. And according to the news reports of the time, 16 able-bodied men found one of the two escape boats, lowered it, hopped in, and rowed away, leaving their fellows with women and children to escape as best as they could. Meanwhile, someone was nice enough to unpen the six horses and two camels and push them into the ocean. Two of the horses made it to shore. Unlike the push camels and horses, the elephant saw what was going down, ran for the side of the steamboat, and jumped into the ocean. Oh my god, it landed on several of the makeshift rafts people were buoyed to. The elephant broke the rafts and drowned several people, then drowned itself. A cutter shooter based in Castine saw the wreck and came in 30 minutes, saving 40 lives. In all, 32 people died. Four men, eight women, ten children, and ten crew, as did every animal except those two horses. I'm surprised the birds didn't get away. Yeah, I know. What the hell? So maybe, no one unpenned the birds? Maybe they were caged, yeah. Legend has it the survivors in St. John, New Brunswick, where the boat left from, used to dine together every October 25th. The other legend I heard is, that's why there's so many snakes on North Haven. So if there were snakes in the circus, maybe they survived too. So I've known people that have lived in North Haven, and I know somebody that lives in Vinyl Haven currently, and I hear it's pretty wacky. I hear it's pretty, especially North Haven. I hear living as island folk can be weird. Vinyl Haven, though, I hear is very nice. However, is. there is no cops up there. Maybe one will come around every few days or so. So people drive drunk there constantly, and it's fine, I guess. I also heard if you pass somebody on the road and you don't wave hi to them, 
they will follow you and chew you out for not doing so. I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know it. if that's true. That might be a legend. I, island people. Well, this was according to somebody who had been there multiple times, told me this. I don't know, though, and was traveling with a local. So I went when I was 20 with one of my friends. Um, his family owns a large summer cabins, but they were all like in a, a line. So it was just kind of like a weird rental if you were a tourist. Okay. And they o- also owned a little store with a restaurant and a bowling alley. Jesus Christ. On the, on, on the <laughs> on island? On the islands. Um, the uncle was a lobsterman, but he also did some fishing too. And the aunt kind of managed all of that. So we ended up spending two nights there. And it was really, really fun. And I had the most delicious fried fish I've ever had in my life for breakfast one of those mornings. I mean, it's fresh off the dock, so I, you would think so, right? Yeah, well, the, the uncle had brought it in. It was oh, like okay. six in the morning. He had already come in with all of his traps and brought in some cod. So his aunt went and like battered it up and fried it, and that was breakfast, which is like these little fish squares. Hands down, literally the best fish I've ever had in my life. Man, I just can't believe that there's a bowling alley in Vinyl Haven. That's what surprises <laughs> me the most. Yeah, it, it, things could have changed. I was probably about 20 years old. Okay. So, yeah. (laughs) It was pretty fun, though. Like, I would definitely go again. Yeah, I want to. It's definitely on the bucket list. I've taken the mail boat tour out of Portland to all those little islands around there, and those are pretty cool. But I've wanted to explore some of the islands more. I feel like being a Mainer... For most of my life, I owe it to the state to at least see some of what this place has to offer, for better or for worse. And there was a really yummy donut shop. Not that I eat donuts that often, but they kind of made the kind of cake-like ones that I enjoy. Yeah, me, that they me have as well. The, I, don't, I don't know if they have any gluten-free ones. I hope so. I mean, it is Camden. They probably do. Oh, it's a Camden. Oh, I thought you meant in uh, Vinyl Hill. Okay, so Camden Rock Lens, wherever the ferry is that you hop on, there's like a donut shop across the the street that's yummy. I mean, I could always go to Holy Donut in Portland. They make gluten-free donuts. Yeah. So, Make potato ones. They do. They make potato ones. So I've never been. They're very, very good, though I haven't gone in a very long time. So you'll have to take me. Yes, for sure. Okay, I didn't know about this one. Portland's Whorehouse Riots. Yes, I didn't know about this one either until I found it. I didn't know Portland had a ton of whorehouses. Apparently. Okay, well, so in 1825, a mob of prostitute-hating men rioted. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like an (laughs) MRA-like fantasy made up. An MRA-adjacent group. And the, the, the Amazons will come in and kill us all and cut off our dicks. Yeah. But nope, I guess, you know, that came true. <laughs> this is why we can't allow feminism, folks, or stuff like this happens. <laughs> Even though I don't think there was feminism in 1825. So these prostitute-hating men rioted, tore down three brothels, and killed a man. In the book The Wild Wild East by William Lenka, he wrote, Prostitution dens in downtown Portland aroused aroused ah <laughs> uh, criticism from neighbors and <laughs> reportedly even the building's owners wish to have them torn down understanding the feelings of the owners and the wishes of the neighbors a company of laboring ah uh, people truck men ah uh, boys assembled in the evening turned out the tenants and tore the buildings to the ground a police crowd of hundreds watches now obviously the prostitutes just moved you can burn down the house but you can't tear down the jobs and actually when the mob of idle roaring boys and raw Irishmen tried to tear down the whorehouse at Crabtree's Wharf it wouldn't fall so they burned it with people inside by that time a few brothels had been demolished and the city had allowed it but burning a wharf apparently was too much for Portland I mean yeah that's 
<laughs> I mean, that's that's many people's livelihoods. So city officials arrested a few people and then let them go. Well, they shouldn't be burning shit in Portland. That's how the whole fucking city went up. Portland's caught on fire like three or four times since its inception. Those prostitutes kept prostituting, this time on 4th Street, which is kind of a fancy street. This place was owned by a barber who was about to go to prison for running a whorehouse. But the mob chose to render more speedy justice. They brought guns this time. So did the barber. There was a shootout where one man died and about seven more were shot and hurt. Thus ended the Portland whorehouse riots and the whores set up business again. That's fabulous. Oh, my. I'm just thinking about like a big shootout on 4th Street. Between one barber and a bunch of mobsters? No, I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to think about it in modern day. It doesn't seem real, but the fact that it happened in the 1800s, there should be enough documentation for that to be real, you would think. Someone's hiding in gritties or something, shooting out somebody over at Five Guys. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't so know. so weird. There was like this burrito place I really liked over on 4th Street. Was that 420? 4th Street was Granny's. It was delicious. Oh, I don't remember that at all. It must have been a long time ago. It was when I came back from Bangor, so I would have been in my very early 20s. They had like a vegan special that was really yummy. They had different flavored tofu or tempeh every single day that you could get inside of it. Oh, okay. It was really good. And then we have the Turner Beast. This is probably the most recent one. Turner being about 15 minutes east of here, west of here. Out, out into the country, out your way? Yeah, out my way. I didn't live in Turner. I fuck Turner. The Turner Beast is a creature that has been described as a husky-looking wolf with bulky shoulders, big eyes, a flat snout, short mangled ears, and a bushy tail. Before it was proven to be a hybrid, some researchers claimed that it could possibly be a dire wolf. It was spotted in Turner, Maine, which estimated to weigh about 120 pounds. It has been known to kill pets and livestock, mostly dogs, most likely for territorial reasons. Later DNA testing of the animal in the pictures revealed it to be a wolf hybrid dog. Like, I never understood the big to-do about this. It clearly looked like a dog. Yeah. There wasn't anything weird about it. It was some sort of dog who had been killed, however that might have happened, who had died in the woods. I thought they found it on the side of the road. I don't know. Yeah, it, I thought they found it on the side of the road. It looked like it was in a grassy area, maybe on the side of the road, but... Yeah, I mean, there's grass everywhere. So clearly then it got hit by a car. Yeah, maybe. Big old dog. I mean, there's bigger real dogs bigger than that thing. So this lady said that was her dog that the turner beast was her dog yeah so i've attached a sun journal article about it he was a wolf hybrid chow mix named wolf Wolf hybrid chow mix named wolfie of course it's named wolfie but scientists said this dog was a male that they found and she said wolfie was female i don't know how somebody would make confusion about that either her being confused about her dog sex or the biologist but this just seems kind of weird also it doesn't doesn't look like a chow at all. No, I mean, a little bit does. Most chows are that kind of brownish color, but I could kind of see it. Yeah, I mean, the picture looks like it's jet black. And it looks like some type of, I don't know, standard poodle mix or some shit. I don't know. But they said it was a charcoal gray color. And she's like, oh, the picture's misleading. I, I don't know. It's weird. But it'd also be weird for somebody to claim that this that's their dog, produce photos of a similar looking dog and be wrong. So I, I don't know. Yeah, it got killed. I don't know what they did with the body because they said they had no DNA samples of it because she wanted to test DNA samples 
that she had of her dog with the body that was found, but I guess they didn't have the body anymore. I don't know. No, they probably buried it or cremated or something. Yeah, I probably. Imagine. I would just think that they would have taken some sort of sample yeah. for posterity. Yeah, exactly. Especially since this was starting to think it was a cryptozoology creature. I don't know. Maybe it got sold to like some sort of cryptozoologist and it's in a freezer somewhere. Maybe it's possible. Yeah. Those are our main tales. Those are main tales. Not, not to be confused with veggie tales. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't expect this to go this long. So, I didn't either. I thought we were really going to have to elaborate on a lot of this, but apparently not. I guess not. So thanks for everyone who stuck around. If you're listening on YouTube, like and subscribe. If you're listening on iTunes, please leave us a five-star review and a written review and subscribe. And if you want to receive postcards or more from us and hear all of our secret episodes, you should consider donating to our Patreon where you will get all this stuff. Yeah, we have a whole bunch of really cool postcards. Uh-huh, and Yergi might make some more herself. Yeah, we got some on Amazon. We got some really cool sea creature ones. And we got, we got some got... local ones from Quiet City Books. Yep, we got some Edward Gorey ones, and then all the local ones from Quiet City Books are Maine-based. Yeah, so they're places from around here. So yeah. you get a little piece of Maine from where Druby and Yergi are. So. But we'll probably drop in there again soon to see what other postcards she has because yeah. I generally like the stuff there. Yeah, and if you're like local, you should go see Courtney there. It is awesome. Yes, it's on Lisbon Street. The nice part. Stop. <laughs> Jesus. When Lisbon Street people get stabbed. No, they don't. No, they Just don't. Stop. I, I don't know. know. But it's located right underneath Boba, which you should also visit, which is a Vietnamese place. Yes. Except every time I ask them to make something gluten free. 50% of the time, they don't make it gluten-free. <laughs> I don't know. You can order on DoorDash now, and an option is gluten-free. So if we DoorDashed it, perhaps they'll get it because it's written down that it's gluten-free. I, I mean, I've called it in every time, every time. And half of the time, it's gluten-free. Half of the time, it's not. Because they'll, they'll put deep-fried onions on it. And I'm just like, okay, these clearly aren't gluten-free because you don't have a gluten-free dedicated fryer. Regardless, I really like your stuff. Just please, when I make orders... <laughs> Make them gluten-free. Stop poisoning Jervie. Yeah, because I keep, I, as soon as I see those onions, I'm just like, ugh, all right, and I have to give it away. Please, I like I like your pho. We should go in there and eat some time and then go down to Quiet City. Maybe. So we can make a stink if there's onions on top. Yeah, well, the problem is, is I don't know if they use cinnamon in their, in their pho, too. All pho has cinnamon in it. Okay, well, then I shouldn't eat it anyway. <laughs> I'm allergic to cinnamon, too. But it doesn't get me sick all the time if I have it in small amounts. But still, I just would rather eat clean. Why am I coming up so quiet? This is weird. Mm, for the first time, Drewby's got to choke up on his mic. But I, but it's all the way up. I, it's right up against my mouth. I don't know. We're, we're going on too long. Anyways. Anyways. All right, we love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye.